Hey, Danny, how you doing, man? There's too many fucking quotes for this. Like, I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I aware of the ship of Theseus. And that's that's more recent. Um, What's that from? One to three. As one division, isn't it? Is it? Like, I think it is. Where vision is like, oh, but if you take away all the bits of a, of a vision and then put them all back together again, is it vision? Well, well, I mean, we've we've went we've already went beyond what we were going to talk about. <laughs> um, let's let's think of one from Iron Man. Um, I am Iron Man. <laughs> I am Iron Man. Um, yeah, take a piece of pizza. Take two. That's a good one. Let's That's think nice of one. one. Let's think of one from Endgame. I am Iron Man. There you go. Woo! Oh, there we go. Nailed nice, it. Nice through line, Marvel. Nice through yep. line. I like it. I like it. Perfect. But- it's a cyclical narrative. It's write that shit down and it'll be the next great American novel <laughs> um, but before we get to the absolute behemoth task that we have today which yes. probably isn't even I mean we're going to be talking a load of shit anyway but um, we have some we have a, a, a bullshit segment to put out um, <laughs> I'm sorry the way you said that we have a bullshit segment to like produce Yeah, we have to make one and export it and, yeah as oh, if anyone's Jesus. as if anyone's asked for it <laughs> Oh fuck! I've got this bullshit segment to do. Oh really? Is that quite a big pot? No, it's just something that I decided that I would try and do. I'm sick of it already. Um, (laughs) Right? Shall I spin the wheel? Yeah, hit it. Britain, one nation. Oh fuck me! Yeah. So, yeah, so um, uh, this, this piece of bullshit was something that Lewis originally saw and we were graciously reminded by our lovely patron Darius who's in the chat yeah. at the moment and I'm just gonna mm-hmm. I'm just gonna get it up because it was really oh, it was terrifying is what it is yeah if you are a long time listener of the podcast even if you're a short time listener of the podcast you'll probably know that I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a I have quite left-leaning politics, to say the very least. Yeah. Um, so when I saw this terrifying right-wing propaganda, I was genuinely really scared. Um, if I remember right, I might be misremembering the story, so please feel free to call me a dickhead if I'm misremembering it. Um, I think... Brit- uh, what was it? It was uh, like a I've- national office wanted school children to sing a song... To yep. say that Britain is one nation, a yep. strong nation, and a proud nation, um, all all at once, and the the lyrics were terrifying. It was like Britain, one nation, strong nation, or something. Uh, bearing in mind, Britain is of course home to several home nations, yep. not just one. There's England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland. Um, Northern so, Ireland. Northern Ireland. Sorry, that was complete idiocy <laughs> on my part. But yeah, my point being that. It's a by nature. It's a very diverse place, and instead of that, it's like no, no, no. We're all all one people. That's what we are. Strong, strong, and or singular. Yes. Isn't it just? Can't it just be okay that we're diverse? Is that not okay? Oy. I mean, I've got I've got the I've got the actual tweet here, the original. Oh, um, exciting! And it's from uh, the Department of for Education, which is kind of good stuff. Uh, sounds like the Ministry of Truth. Um, mm-hmm. We are encouraging schools across the UK to celebrate One Britain, One Nation Day on the 25th of June, when children can learn about our shared values of tolerance, kindness, pride and respect. Um, oh, God, it makes me fucking angry. <laughs> you know, I mean, on, on, on the surface, it's like, oh my God, that sounds lovely. That sounds really nice. Mm. But it's like, as Lois said, Britain is 
a conglomerate, a sort of partnership between several nations, all of which are very different to each other. They all have different mm. cultures and different identities. And even within those nations, there's again different cultures between different ethnicities yeah. that, have, that have came here over the years, forcibly or otherwise. So to sort of try and uh, lazily condense Britain into one big nation... As if, as if that's what we've we've ever been about. It's kind of fucking stupid, and no, it um yeah, it really disgusts me. Yeah, it's just it's it's like and it's it's being pushed in a way like it's like woke nationalism. You know, it's like I I remember when when the when the current government was like was put into power and they talked about we have the most diverse cabinet in in UK history. And it's like, yeah, well, that's good, but it's fucking irrelevant if the cabinet is full of arseholes. Do you mm, know what I mean? It's, mm. like, it's like, surely surely the diversity is good as long as the people that we're representing are also good, you know? It's like, mm, mm. I, I really, I, you know, having said, oh, we've got the, the most diverse cabinet in history, and then like, hearing Pretty Patel say that, who is, <laughs> who is a human coagulation oh, of evil Jesus. um yeah. you know it's like it's really it really sort of undermines the whole message i think mm-hmm. um yeah it's um it's yeah it, it is terrifying because it's um yeah darius has just put something in the chat it doesn't count when you all have the same views yeah it's exactly diversity is one thing but it's diversity of political beliefs as well as diversity of of, of ethnicity yeah. in that you can't just have it's it's all well and good to say, oh, we've got this incredibly diverse cabinet. But if they all say, no, no, we should have an incredibly far-right, horrific government, well, that's not a diverse political opinion representing people from all over the spectrum. No. The idea of, of having, um, like, a, 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 the, the, the sort of representative system we do is that I vote for somebody for Stoke that represents my personal beliefs. And then yep. they go to the Houses of Parliament and make decisions because they have the same beliefs as me. Exactly. That's the idea. But if the person that I'm repre- I'm voting for doesn't have the same beliefs as me, and I'm only voting for them because they're just there, and I don't want to waste my vote, so I just have to vote for someone, then they're going down to the Houses of Parliament and voting for something that I don't agree with at all. Exactly. So it, it fucks the whole system. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it really and does. It, um, and it frustrates me because it's that, and it's also this One Britain, One Nation Day. It's this insane myth of british exceptionalism of um yeah i think there's a lyric in the song it's like a strong great britain strong britain or something yeah. isn't that the most chi- one of the most chilling things you've ever heard i would not be surprised to hear that in like other totality well in other to- in horrific regimes in history they made children sing songs like that about other countries that actually had openly far-right racist political uh, parties in office absolutely that's absolutely terrifying to think kids are being literally indoctrinated to think that britain is somehow exceptional and superior to the rest of the world it really scares me i, I think mean, uh, go on i mean thankfully like, i think i think like this this country it's like it, it would it would probably have like, more effect in somewhere like the united states where like, the, yeah yeah the overton window is like shifted like, right wing anyway but like, in this country it's like you know you know, we've got like stuff like the NHS. I think the youth is is continuously getting more and more progressive. I've got some of the lyrics here. Um, Good. We are Britain, and we have one dream. Really, that's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of 
generalizing, isn't it? You know, um, <laughs> I would, I would, I would probably, um, you know, uh, drive off a cliff if I ever had the same dream as uh, Mr. Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm honest, you know. Uh, so that's that's the first line. To unite all people in one great team. Yeah, but the, the, <laughs> the problem with that is is that it's different teams, you know? So that mm. it sort of impl- it, it inherently implies that some teams are going to have to be either rubbed out or pushed out in order for that for that to work. Mm. Um, yeah, or just assimilated. That, that, the the problem with the lyric is that it implies assimilation rather than sort of healthy debate and challenging others' political beliefs. If you've got the purple team and the orange team and the purple team have some very left-wing views and the orange team have some very right-wing views, then it's not... You aren't combining their beliefs if the purple team dominate the orange team and sort of yep. assimilate their beliefs and say, okay, you can't actually say the things you believe. You've got to be a mouthpiece for us. Yep. That's not... That's not healthy political debate. That's just a horrific situation. You need to have healthy debate in in political spheres, and that's. It, it, this feels like something that's starting to erase that a little bit. It's horrid. Yeah. No. Ab- absolutely. I mean, it's like. Thankfully, I think that this has fallen flat for 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 a lot of people because it do, It just seems incredibly desperate, and you mm. know, you might be watching this thinking, well, I mean, it's just like a, a song. And all that, but like generally rhetoric like this, when people say one people, one nation, it genuinely, or or sort of generally and historically has been along ethnic lines as well as just mm. having mm. views of tolerance and mm. respect and pride. Pride. That's the one that you know. If if you're you know if you're used to hearing that sort of garbage, it's like the word pride just goes. Mm, mm, I don't really you know I don't really like that. But mm. that's um, I, I I couldn't agree more, Dan. I think that um, at the, at the sort of core of my political beliefs is the thought that um, you are what you do, rather than what you sort of have become. If that makes sense, I think that I, it's it's complete circumstance that I was born where I was born to the family I was born to, and that I, for example, it's complete circumstance that I grew up going to a primary school that did Easter services. At primary school for us, every year we would do like, um, every Easter we would have to learn all about Jesus and what he did at Easter, and then we'd have to go to church and sit through a church service and sing some songs. It's complete, it's completely circumstantial that that's the case. If I was born in a different country, I would be learning different things about a different religion. So yeah. I don't think it makes sense to be, to, to say, oh, I'm proud to be British. Yeah. Because you didn't earn that, that's just happened. Do you know what I mean? It's just something that you've happened upon i'm proud of like the things that i have earned in my life i'm proud of my career i'm proud of my marriage i'm proud of the the things that i have managed to earn in my life and i think that i i I mean obviously i think it's a healthy belief because it's my own personal belief but i think that's a healthier belief than thinking no no i think that just through my existence i am superior to other people yeah i am i'm proud of my own existence relative to other people because that implies that you are ashamed of other people and looking at other people and saying no no, look at what they've been born into that's a disgusting shameful thing that they've been born into and therefore they are a bad person inherently yeah i mean it's, that it, it yeah yeah i mean that is like the it's the root of xenophobia you know the sort of the the idea that 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 where you're born somehow has um, a greatness that other that other places can't achieve, and it's it's yeah. it's at its 
core. It's just primitive tribalism. You it know, really is. You're wrapped right. up in garbage like this. I mean, <laughs> I've got to say, on a, on a more light-hearted note, the lyrics are so fucking shit because it's <laughs> we are Britain, we have one dream to unite all people in one great team. Uh, what's the next bit? Um, and then it's just for the next fucking twenty-one seconds, strong mm. Britain, great nation. Literally, just just those words for mm, for the next mm. twenty-one seconds. So whoever wrote the song. Is not only a fucking idiot, they can't write a decent propaganda song. That's what I've, you know. It's a, so Tory, yeah, yeah. Tory government, whoever you paid to write this mm, shit, mm. maybe I would consider maybe getting someone else if you want it to be a bit more effective because that shit, yeah. it doesn't, it, it just doesn't work on on young mm-hmm. people today because it's mm. just embarrassing. It's so fucking embarrassing having to yeah, stand there yeah. like, oh, strong Britain, great nation. Like, what the. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think young people nowadays are much more politically active just yeah. because of things like Twitter that's brought them thrust into the center of political debate. Even if it is just people calling each other twats on the internet, it's still, in a manner of speaking, political debate. And so I think that now it, you're much more likely to hear a young person, someone our age, someone even younger, perhaps, that like um, has no zero point. And we'd just say things like, oh, no, yeah, we should redistribute the wealth. Um, we should tax the rich <laughs> yeah. or eat the rich sort of thing. It's much more, I would much more common to see hear people say very strong political statements like that than it is to even just see people chatting in, in day-to-day life. Yep. It's something that I've noticed as a difference between myself and sort of older generations is that, like, um, people from older generations sometimes just want to stop and have a chat about nothing. Yeah, and definitely. it's like, I'll be walking to the shop or something. It's like, all right, mate, you going for a walk? I'm just going to the shop. Oh, yeah. what are you going for? I don't really want to tell you. <laughs> it's a, I'm just going for pasta. But, like, why do you care? Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, I think I would much more, I would rather just, he was just like, all right, mate, redistribute the wealth. And I was like, yep, eat the rich. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'd rather have a, 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 a that on the street. I don't know. It's... Oh, it's it's weird. I don't know. I know that I am obviously biased in that I have my own political opinions, but it, it something about this song, not only is it obviously different political opinions to what I have, but it's just so, something so insidious about how it was, the plan was to sort of worm its way into school children's yeah, education. minds. Do you know what I mean? Through the education. Oh, it's terrifying. I mean, it's... it's, it's yeah. There was, a, there was a similar thing in the US where like, Trump tried to like, introduce, like... Um, uh, patriotic education, where like we're just outright fucking lies are told about like, the U.S. and like their history. There's a great video by mm. um a YouTuber called Sean, who completely yeah. debunks everything that's that's in this. Let's like, uh, mm. uh Patriot I really Act. Like Sean, yeah, not Patriot Act. What's it called? That's that's a uh, surveillance. I can't I can't remember the name of the act, but it's like there are just like, outright historical lies in it, and it's mm. just it feels very very similar to that sort of thing because one Britain one nation Britain is great and Britain is strong maybe we should be teaching our kids about the role that Britain had in cololonialism for example mm. maybe try and have a humble view of yeah, the country the that we live in the past and move forward yeah and because, try and make it yeah. better a better place to live yeah. for everyone regardless of where you come from uh, yeah I think it's in my heart of hearts I do think it's something that I think in order to maintain a healthy anything, you need to welcome criticism. Yeah. I think um, that's something that I value a lot about a lot of different things in my life, is that, like, from, like, sort of my writing work, I value it when people say, I like this, but I don't like this, change this part, or you could make this better, or 
um, and I value it in like my personal life. I, I'm, I like that Chloe isn't afraid to say, no, that doesn't make any sense, you dick, and, yeah, and, exactly. and correct me when I say something wrong. I think that that's what we should be teaching kids. <laughs> sort of, it's okay to disagree with people. The, the, the problem lies in how you resolve those differences. Yeah. It, be kind to one another and talk about things, and then we will all be happier at the end of the day. There is a solution out there for every problem that could ever exist. So maybe if we're all just a bit nicer to each other and we all just are a bit politer to each other with the debating, maybe we'll get there one day. Yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, it's like mm. I just I'm finding I'm finding it hard to imagine, you know, kids that that that, you know, have to go through school meals, getting cut and austerity, having to stand outside their school and sing this mm-hmm. garbage. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just it's if it what you know, if if it was if it wasn't real, it would be funny. But it is, so it's just fucking disgusting. Um, yeah, you're completely right. Yeah, it's but, um, um, yeah, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Very much so. But um, there you Darius go. just put a very good point in the chat. I need people to tell me when I'm being a dick because I don't always know. Yeah, exactly. And Accurate. It, yeah, you know, and that 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 holds true for for any country. Like you know, it's either. I mean, Britain historically has been the biggest dick. In, in the world, you know, like just what what was the what's the phrase? The sun never sets on the the British Empire. I mean, yeah. it was only a hundred years ago that the empire managed to to finally be um sort of broken up, you know. And yet we still have incredible influence over over developing countries. Do you know what I mean? And we're mm. it's just just like principally, the, um... why wouldn't you just want to be humble? And why wouldn't you want to just say, let's just fucking you know, get along instead of strong Britain, great nation, we are one people. It's like, can, is it is it too much for 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 the Tory government's brains that that people might be different and might have different experiences? You know, mm, is mm. that just too much for them? I don't. It probably no, is. Yeah. The thing is, I think it's because that's what people want to think. People want to think that they're just good and they don't have to do anything more. They don't have to improve. Yeah. People want to think, no, I'm already perfect. Yep. End of discussion. I don't need to improve anymore. People don't want to be told, okay, you're doing such and such things wrong. Maybe you could alter your behavior slightly. And yeah. that you can see that when you look at sort of older people that are sort of, well, these 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 transgenders nowadays, I don't know what to call people. I don't know what to say. Yeah, no, it's and like... it's like, well, it, it, can't you just modify your behavior ever so slightly? Be a bit more polite? Because that's... Right, this is a bit of a sideways tangent, but go with me. That's one thing that does get me is... um old people seem to have a bee in their bonnet about being polite. Like, um, the number of times I was told growing up, don't put your elbows on the table, or um, things like, don't put shoes on the table, or don't, things, very specific things about, well, that's, why, why can't I do that? Because it's impolite. And then now that there's slightly different societal norms about politeness and about asking people for their pronouns and things like that, it's, all of a sudden, you can't be polite because yeah. it disagrees with your worldview. Yeah, exactly. Well, isn't that convenient? Do you know what I mean? It's absurd. I mean, I mean, it's like it's um, it's it's <laughs> it's not even it's. You you hear the phrase constantly, or oh, you can't say anything nowadays, or they won't let yeah. you say anything nowadays, and it's just this trick that that people like the Tories and other far right people like to play. It's as mm. if they, they pretend as if they don't actually hold the institutional power, and it's yeah. kids on college campuses with blue hair that are suddenly running the world. I mean, when, in fact, yeah. they fucking don't. You know, it's always mm. been the same group of people 
elite, elite, rich, entitled, um, just morally bankrupt people that are mm. always and always have been at the top. And it's like, if you believe that they're not actually running the show, it's just like, come on, you know, all you have to do is look. Mm. Um, it's yeah, it's what makes me smile about um conspiracy theorists is um it makes me laugh how there's conspiracy theories that say oh no there's a secret group of rich people that are running the world and it makes you think what other than the widely known (laughs) group of rich people that run the world yeah are they not are they not the same group yeah you just feel like saying oh you're so close you're so close to getting it you know (laughs) um i i want to i want to read a bit more a bit more yeah. I want to read a letter from uh, from this is um St Joseph's Catholic Primary School that was sent to them about this, um and this is to about about the the song is this yeah it's about yeah. um the song and it's sent to um uh, a a child's parent um dear parent slash carer Friday the twenty fifth of June is National O B O N Day One Britain One Nation Obon Obon <laughs> he sounds like a Transformers villain. <laughs> Isn't he? It's like, oh, Optimus Prime, I'm here to destroy you. Not so, now, Oban. It sounds like a fucking... Oh, that sounds good. It sounds like a fucking biscuit. Um, <laughs> do you like an Oban, darling? Um, it celebrates the four main principles of Britain. Respect, rule of law, democracy, oh, and liberty. Wait, so, Jesus. I mean... Respect and rule of law contradict each other. Yeah. So does... So does what was the Liberty and what was the third one? Uh, democracy. I mean, yeah, they kind of... They, yeah, they're <laughs> they good. They don't exactly get on... T- they, yeah, they get, they're get they good, but they don't get on with each other, necessarily. It's, no. I mean, it it's seems like... like a, a, quite a politically blind letter. Very much so. On this day, children learn about how important it is that they have a voice, okay? That children have a right to an education and the fundamental basic rights. Yes. Okay. Do Glad you need, we agree so far. Yeah, do you need to make a song to, to tell children that? How discrimination is wrong. Yep. Yep, definitely. Uh, we all have freedom. Um, well, we're not sure if we do, but yeah, go but, on. Okay, you can say that. Uh, and all the nationalities that live in Britain are British and must always work together. Um, oh, Jesus. Well, that's, that's not great. That, that erases about a billion people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, in the morning, along with the other schools across the country, there will be a minute clap. For all those people who have helped <laughs> us this past year, and then we will sing a song. Um, so who who is it we're clapping for? If it's NHS workers, I have absolutely no problem with that. I think the NHS mm. workers are extremely mistreated and extremely underpaid, and they yep. deserve yeah, all the applause in the world. But if this is because Matt Hancock went on to Good Morning Britain and said that me and my team deserve applause, you can take your fucking shitey fucking song and you can stick it up your arse, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Um, during the day, the children will do some different work in their classes. On this day, we will have a, nun- a non-uniform day, no cost, and ask for colours of red, white and blue to be worn, please. Jesus. What... Why wouldn't you just? It's <laughs> so fucking stupid. You're gonna have a non-uniform day to express your individuality. Please wear red, white, and blue. What? Look, that's... Yeah, it's yeah, it's I. Uh... Thing is, if the idea of this one Britain, one nation day was okay, we're gonna we're gonna sort of celebrate uh, British accomplishments, and then in your actual history lessons, you're gonna learn about British atrocities. I'd say, okay, well, I don't like it, but I understand it. Yeah, but it's better than nothing, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. But then, 
in British, I remember when I was in primary school, we were always taught. I know Britain, Brit, we were always taught very British exceptionalismy things, things about World War. We, I think we did World War Two for about five years in primary school. Yeah. And is there a more British exceptionalismy thing out there? Yeah. That that people so often tout as oh well, we beat the Nazis. Did we? Did Winston Churchill on his own? Yeah, Winston you know Churchill I mean? sailed across on a dinghy. And and destroyed the entire German high command by himself. That's that's what happened. Just ignore the millions of Soviet lives that were killed, the millions of uh, civilians that were killed during the during the marches mm-hmm. uh, across uh, Europe to Germany. Just ignore all that. It's like, funnily enough, history has a lot of nuance, and countries like Britain have a lot of nuance to them. They've done mm. some good things. And they've done some really fucking horrible things. The yeah. idea that, that Britain's history is just one big great thing and we've done a few bad things here and there. No, it's like it's the the entire foundation is based on empire and conquest and colonialism. So Yeah. That's what Why needs to be fucking so many, sung about. Yeah. Not some weird shitty uh you know, tone deaf song about how we're all great and how we're all the same. It's like, no, we're not. We're all different. We all have different experiences and different cultures to appreciate. And I would much rather that was respected than some full nationalism garbage. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think I'd like, if you don't mind, I'd like to round out this section with, um, I, I saw this, this uh, article the other day about how it's, it's survivorship bias. That's what a lot of sort of nationalism and um, older people's political beliefs are sort of based on when you sort of start to look at it. Things like, um, for example, people's opinions on mental health. It's quite strange when you sort of start to look at sort of older people and they have very intolerant attitudes towards people with mental health problems. Yeah. Because like it's because um, it's just bizarre when you start to think about it because it's like oh well if if I said oh I have a disease in my brain and I need to go to a doctor to get some help for it. It was likely they would go. Oh, okay. But if I said, "Oh, I have depression," so, no, you fucking don't. You're yeah, just sad. You're just. Moping, Do you know what I mean? You know. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But then it's you look back at the survivorship bias things of oh well, nobody I ever knew had depression. Yeah. Really? Not even Bill that worked at the box factory and he was completely normal every day and then one day he just hung himself out of nowhere. Yeah. Do you exactly. remember that? It, it's survivorship bias. Just because they happened to be the person that survived means they think it doesn't exist. Yeah. It's just turning a blind eye throughout all of history, and it it sickens me. Um, um, so um, now that we're nice and hungry, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's just it's just removing nuance. That's all this is, and it's just you know, it's just not good. But um, I think we've I think we've harped on about it. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> we have. I think about everyone, half an hour. everyone that's listened to us, I think they know what we <laughs> we feel about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, we'll uh, see you next time okay now that i've done that it's a uh, time to do the uh the big the big thing the thing that we're here Indeed for it is you know um there is so, so much to talk about it's crazy whew, okay today we are talking about the marvel cinematic universe phase the what the unku the unku yes 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 phase one to three because phase four isn't done yet and uh, phase five doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was going to say about the executive producers and all that, but I'm not going to do that because they make enough money. They don't need me. You know, Christ knows they, they make you, enough money. You know, they're not going to be like, oh shit, 
oh, we missed out on a massive payload because shouting into the void didn't give us a credit on our thing. Um, and the same with the starring uh, seg- segment as well, because there's so many fucking actors in this and they're all rich. Do you know what I mean? So it'll be mm-hmm. fine. Do you know what I mean? They'll get. They'll, they'll manage to survive. If you if you like Marvel, you'll know who they are. Okay. Um. So. Do you have an opening statement, Lewis? I do. Um, I think I was born at exactly the right time to really sort of fall in love with the MCU. And I think that... Um, sorry, the Mku. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I was born in 1999, so the first Marvel film I watched was Iron Man, 2008. Um, or it might have been The Incredible Hulk, which I think was the year before, or whatever it was, anyway. Um, and so it was sort of quite special to me to be sort of growing up at the same time and watch these films as they all came out. And it was sort of, it was weird. It's like a spell broke <laughs> after as as the end credits of Endgame rolls, and I was like, oh, okay, time yep. to go and not care quite so much. But I do think that um, while the films are quite cookie cutter throughout, I do think that it's, I don't know, there's something about them that's nice. There's something about them that's good. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Excellent. What a nothing statement. Good lord. Well, I mean, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about, so you can redeem yourself. Um, Indeed I can. <laughs> one of the biggest media projects of all time, with 21 films spanning across multiple decades, and it ain't even done. It'll probably be phase 60 by the time I'm 50, and oh my Jesus Christ, that's actually really scary to think about it. The amount of money yeah. that will have been spent and made in that time and I'll be 55 years old. Better that my life didn't work out. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so are you ready for this big wanky edit, Lewis? I am, yes. Okay. Do some wanking. Phase one. Whoa. <laughs> there, you, there you go. So there you to go. to explain to anybody that might not know, uh, and of course I do know, but to explain to anybody that might not, what precisely is Phase One? Phase One is the first phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where we're. In- <laughs> well, you fucking explain it then. <laughs> I don't know it. That's the joke I was making. All oh, right. Okay. Um. Anyway, Phase One is the first phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we're introduced to the the, the big three, as I like to, to call them, and every other Marvel fan from here to Timbuktu? Timbuktu, that's that's the word. Um, so we've got Iron Man, and we've got Captain yep. America, and mm-hmm. we've got Thor. Those are the, that, that's generally what, what's focused on in phase one. Um, mm. So, Lewis, do you have any CRQs for phase one? Um, this and that. I would say that Iron Man, bizarrely, was one of the main reasons I studied computer science for as long as I did. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I, I watched the Iron Man movies and I was like, oh, I wish I could code. <laughs> then I tried <laughs> to learn how to code and I was like, oh, God, this is really difficult. And now I'm just some wanky creative that sits around in jumpers and writes. But, you know, for a bit, for a glorious moment, I, I was very good at stuff like that. So that's nice. Well, that that certainly is nice. What what do you think about, what do you think, have you got a favourite um, phase one film? I mean, I probably do, don't I? I, <laughs> I, I really enjoy the Phase One movies just because there's something so elemental, sort of. What's the word I'm looking at? Like, uh, not atomic, atomicity. There's got to be some kind of descriptive word version of that. But there's, it's that. Is like um, the first Thor movie feels nicely self-contained. Oh, maybe there's going to be some more stuff coming along, but it's still nicely self-contained, which I think is something that the Marvel movies lose as time goes on. Is um. When it first sort of gets started, um, 
like I say, it's a self-contained movie and there's a bit more. Like, Back to the Future is a great example of this. The first movie is a self-contained movie, but then at the end it's all to be continued. Yeah. And that's what that is. And lovely, it's great stuff. But um, I enjoy that that's what's happening in the MCU rather than in, in later years when the movies do feel like installments of, of a soap opera. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, um, like Iron Man 1 was very sort of like experimental. You know, with mm. like, with um, Darius, one of our one of our patrons, who by the way has wrote a, a sort of mini review for every film. Uh, so if you know, if we get stuck, we're just going to rip off that. Um, but like Iron Man one wasn't like scripted, as Darius says, it was very sort of improvised, like between mm. um, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, uh, John John Favreau. So it's like it it was it was a very experimental sort of thing, because what I I, I don't know really what was in the executive sort of producer's heads at the time. Mm. I, d- I didn't know whether they had like a, a big sort of plan, but you had like Iron Man, which was experimental, and then you've got to go back to World War Two when Captain America happened. Um, but that was like after like Iron Man 2, which isn't, which is considered to be um, not a very good, not a very good film. Um, <laughs> you've got, you've got Thor, um, mm. which is one, one of my favourite Marvel films. Because mm, it's like, I really like Thor. I really like how it's completely, like, it, it, a complete shift from like what because at that point you were only introduced to like Earth and stuff like internal stuff that was going on on Earth, mm. and then they throw you like a curveball at Thor, where it's like you're on Asgard and there's Loki and there's the fr- frost giants and all that, um, mm, mm. and there was the Incredible Hulk, which just sort of like like got forgot about, and there wasn't any. Yeah. You know, it's like, why wasn't there multiple Incredible Hulk films? You know, I, d- I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's because the film wasn't that great. I also think it's because, um, they, oh, I've forgotten what his name it was. Was it Edward Norton? I think it was, yeah. Bruce he was Banner? recast, wasn't he? Yeah, he was recast because he was difficult to work with, supposedly. Oh. Uh, this is all alleged. I, I'm, I don't think anybody from Marvel has ever said this. But I think the sort of general theory and thoughts is that he was difficult to work with and nobody really liked working with him. So they stopped working with him and they recast him as Mark Ruffalo for Avengers. Yeah. Um, I will say um, that the MCU, especially like when it when it, when it first started to its end, is really the only sort of big franchise that um, that stuck the landing, especially in phase one to three. You know, you've got like yeah. Star Wars that had a difficult time with its uh, resurgence. You've got Game of Thrones, which ended fucking disastrously but like i mean and we both know how i feel about how it started as well oh jesus <laughs> so i mean we have you know like, i have my issues with endgame but it seemed to be like a sort of satisfying sort of conclusion to the to the mm, whole thing mm. um i like the the dichotomy um between like iron man when he's in the first film and to what he sort of becomes like at first he's yes. just yeah so self-centered and then he realizes what his weapons are doing, and he sort of becomes like a sort of, a sort of uh, weird sort of Randian sort of capitalist who's like, yeah. "Oh, I've 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 successfully privatized world peace." You know, like it's. I mean, it's not. It's nowhere near as good as like being you know further than that. But it, I mean, it's 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 better than nothing. Um, mm mm. It's like it's sort of going from being a selfish prick to like a sort of a version of a consequentialist, I guess. Like, but you know. Yeah, I think I do appreciate how we sort of 
I suppose what is that? What else is a consequentialist? But he sort of realizes he realizes the effect he's having on the world. I think that's um, there's yeah. something they don't talk about very much in the Iron Man movies. But I think it's at the core of his character throughout the entire MCU is that um, everything that Tony Stark does is based on the things he's done before. It's yeah. rare that he sort of comes up with a new thing. I think he. He asks people to the best ways to help them in a, in a very strange way, which is quite nice. Plus, RDJ was sort of born to play Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey. He was born to play <laughs> yes, Tony Stark, he was. I think. Yeah. You're right. He was born to play himself, Lewis. He does it. I'll get to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he, he's like, he's constantly like, ever-changing. I mean, like, from from the from the get-go, you, you would imagine that he would be the one to sort of let be before, let, you know... Uh, capitalism and like the free choice and all that, and then by like mm. Captain America three, uh, Civil War, he's like the one, you know, pushing ahead with the Sokovia Accords, like curtailing yeah, the freedoms yeah. of the other superheroes. So he's constantly mm. on a journey of like plus, yeah, selfishness I, I do... to self-sacrificing. You know, true. And I do like Captain America: The First Avenger as well. I know it gets sort of it's all it's another one that gets forgotten in a bit of a funny way, but um, I do really like that movie. Yeah. And I like that um, consistently Steve Rogers has, apart from Endgame, which was like a massive character departure for him. Um, but yeah, consistently his character is sort of, um, he doesn't really believe in the American government as a concept. He believes in what he considers to be the right thing to do. And the fact that that lines up with these traditional American values, as it were, is sort of coincidental in a funny way. And that's something you see a lot in, um, like, comic books, is that he'll often say, oh, I'm not loyal to America, I'm not loyal to the president, I'm not loyal to any of these generals, I'm loyal to the American dream, I'm loyal to what America represents. And I think that's sort of a very powerful character trait to have. Sort of a, he's such a deliberately moral character, everything he does is a moral choice, and I think that's kind of, it's good to watch, it's fun to watch. I mean, ultimately it sort of comes down to him being... A deontologist versus Tony, who's like a consequentialist by the end of the f- of the, so like even even like an Infinity War, where um like they have to trade lives with Vision. It's like you mm. you, you kill Vision, you would let like, stop Thanos. Like Captain America still says, no, we don't trade lives. It's like it's still adhering to his sort of moral, um, code, which which is good. Mm. I do wish that, like. Because Captain America is kind of boring because he doesn't actually really have an arc th- throughout the throughout the MCU. He doesn't really like, change all that much compared to like, what he was in the in the forties. You know, I-, I would like it if like, he was maybe you know more like stereotypically old. Like maybe he would like he's intolerant of certain things and learns to sort of get over that. That that could have been yeah yeah yeah. That would be an interesting arc to have in. Avengers yeah. <laughs> would be the would be the place to have the arc, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, that's a really good point. If he if he did sort of, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I, that's yeah. Quite often you say these things, and I'm like, yeah, why didn't they do that? Um, I suppose it's because it's not really marketable. Um, yeah, I suppose. If they brought Captain America into the 21st century and he was said something that was like slightly racist or slightly homophobic, that's not a marketable thing. You can't, you can't sell cuddly toys of a racist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, don't don't get us wrong, folks. That I love, I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But look, as we were talking about it earlier, look, Captain America is 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 very well thought out and very sort of 
carefully planned propaganda in certain points. You know, it's like mm, Captain mm. America. Come on. It's like, I don't, you know, it's the first film is literally him beating up Nazis. I mean, it's like, obviously, yeah, it's yeah. like, which is good, you know, I, f- I fucking hate Nazis, but it's like, mm. it's that, like you were talking about British exceptionalism earlier on, it's like American mm. exceptionalism, sort of personified in like a superhero, you know? Um, mm. And I think, obviously, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is in the pipeline for us, and I haven't actually seen it, but I think that does sort of delve into the concept of, of um, what does it mean to be loyal to the American government, and what yeah. does it mean to be loyal to the American sort of concept of existence yeah um should we quickly run through darius's mini reviews um yeah just for, for just for phase one before we yeah yeah of course um for the first phase we've got iron man great wasn't scripted that is actually true which yes. is insane to think of jeff bridges i think has said on multiple occasions there wasn't really any script we just kind of made it up which is insane it really is um incredible hulk meh <laughs> good one uh meh it doesn't sort it doesn't sort the rest of the mcu yeah you, you're right um iron man 2 same as the first one but worse um yeah you're kind of right i think the aesthetics of iron man 2 is brilliant it matches the first one visually very well i think um i think that's probably john favreau's doing in a lot of senses like the um the suitcase suit that's i really liked that i remember watching the movie when i was younger and thinking oh i want an action man or action figure that does that that'd be great yeah um we're introduced to black widow as well yes i do like black widow she's a good character very much so um, um, I'm looking forward to um, the Black Widow movie that's coming out soon. Yeah. I don't know when, and that's phase a million. It's <laughs> you know I, I am looking <laughs> forward to Phase thirty six. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, Thor, great casting. Haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, like we just said, we really liked Thor. Um, I love Loki in that movie. Yeah, um, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Yeah, I love. I mean, I love Tom Hiddleston full stop, but I love him in that movie particularly. Yeah. Yep. Um, Captain America, the first movie. The Captain America, the first movie. Captain America, the first Avenger. Good when it's mainly focused on the war. Don't like it when lasers show up. I think that's where we might disagree. Ca- um, I almost called you Carius. That's not your name. Carius. <laughs> uh, Darius. Um, yeah, I think that might be where we disagree. It's. Um, I, I was going to say I read a lot of di- diesel punk fiction. I don't. I have read some diesel punk books. <laughs> Are you aware of the concept of diesel punk? I am indeed. Yes. It's, yeah, um, it's like steampunk, but instead of being Victorian era technology, it's like World War Two era technology. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of, I don't know. I like the 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 visual appeal of it. I think it looks interesting, and I think it raises interesting questions. And I think I kind of liked it. To think of, oh, what would it be like if they had big laser guns in the Second World War? That would be fucked up, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I kind of liked thinking about that. So I, I think we might disagree on that one, Darius. Um, and it sets up, Avengers- it sets up the uh, um, Tesseract or the or the, uh, the the space stone being like a bigger threat than, you know, and it sort of yeah, leads to the um, larger sort of world. Um, here's a red hot take. The stones had too many names. I don't think anybody remembered any of them. I remember I, them. I don't. I never learned oh. them because I thought the names were too many and a bit dumb. Um. Well, I'd read, I'd, I'd read uh, the Infinity Gauntlet book, um, which oh, yeah. you know. So I mean, I, I suppose it was more for like fans, and they had to do it in a way that was, you know, also a bit more palatable. easy to understand. And yeah, um, Avengers or Avengers Assemble, really enjoyable. Probably the least. Probably the last easy jumping on point for the MCU. Yeah, I think you're right with that. It's it's yeah. the point where I think a lot of people might have started. Um, Very much. So. Yeah, you're right. And it was also the beginning of the Skybeam trope. Um, yeah, it was. Wasn't it? Yeah. So cheers for that, Josh. So that gives Sweden. it an excuse because it's the first one. So that's okay. But um, other other um, other movies that have done it. Now you're just copying copying Avengers. Yep. Yeah. 
and it also copied the Phantom Menace with the big sort of uh, destroy yeah, the mothership fall and over. they all die. Yeah, what a yep. fucking ex machina that is. Um, mm. But there you go. So um, I think I'm out of notes for phase one. Uh, I think I am also out of notes for phase one. Should we move on to phase... Um, what's the number that comes after one? Um, Two! I can't remember. Do you know? I'm doing the, the, the thing now. It's on now. The, the What do you call it? The big title, title. Card. Yeah, so that's happened. Um, oh, oh it's, lovely. It's exciting. Um, it is exciting. So, Lewis, give us give us a brief a brief sort of thoughts about phase two. I really like phase two. It there might be go. my favourite phase. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like, um, I think that aesthetically speaking, I think this was the start of the trend of filming things nicely. This, just in terms of in <laughs> yeah. time I've spoken about this before I think that um, on, on the podcast anyway I think that Stranger Things was a big catalyst for a lot of cinematographers to start thinking oh people people want really interesting cinematography in their actual everyday life people yeah. want that in, in everyday stuff and so I think this phase two just happened to be the time when that happened I think um, I really did enjoy phase two I thought Iron Man 3 absolute banger all the way through Captain America the Winter Soldier Brilliant movie. Brilliant, brilliant movie. It's fantastic sort of spy movie packaged up as a Marvel film. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd, have to dis- I'd, I'd have to disagree with you on Iron Man 3. Um, Ooh, go on. Tell me about Iron Man 3. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, they had this amazing sort of villain set up with uh, ben, ben Kinsley playing uh, yes, the, the Mandarin, Mandarin. And then he was an actor called Trevor. And it was... Uh, My name's Trevor. Trevor Slattery. I'm hmm. still confused about who... It was the... It was the it was the guy, wasn't it? That there was the Mandarin, the guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, that 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 fucker. I was like, oh wow, what a colossal disappointment that was. So I didn't. I really, really liked that. No, I hated that. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, I I read a lot of Iron Man comics, so I thought. So when they introduced Aldrich Killian, I was like, oh, he's going to be a secondary villain or something. And so for me, it was quite a nice rug pull. They sort of pulled the rug out from under me, and they were like, oh, no, the Mandarin is a fictional character, for now at least. I mean, it might exist in Shang-Chi, um, but that's, that's a story for another day. Um, but So the rug pull was quite nice to say, oh, no, it's actually Trevor Slattery, and Aldrich Killian is, is sort of manipulating extremist technology. That was quite nice for me. I quite liked it. I mean, I, li- I like the sort of, as, as we get further into the... The, the phases and as well as with the TV show I like having villains with understandable sort of motivations like a more sort of local threat if you know what I mean like because mm. the Mandarin seemed like a guy with like an actual code and like believed things and you know you had like the current events of like terror going on around the world you know it's like it was it was very sort of it was a bit risky but for them to sort of just utterly drop it like that, I mean, it was a, it was kind of a disappointment for me. Um, and Ben King, Ben Kingsley, is so wasted in that film. Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. Um, but there you go. Um, yeah, and there is, um, there is, of course, who can forget the classic bit? Um, here, let me give my address to an international terrorist. Oh my God, he's blowing up my house! Yeah. What? I didn't <laughs> what think he'd do this. Fuck? Who could forget that plot? Yeah, that was wonderful. Um, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Okay. Let's let's just get it out of the way. It's the weakest Avengers film, I think, probably. Yeah. Uh, do you think we can agree on that, Dan? I I can agree on that. Darius says mm. the, the the same thing. Um, yeah. I um I think it is the weakest Avengers film, but it's really pretty. It's really really pretty. Uh, just in terms of the color palette and the aesthetic, it's absolutely gorgeous. All the beautiful colors of Vision and and Iron Man's armor and and Thor with his lightning and stuff. 
I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Sp- James Spader's performance as Ultron, yep. who, of course, is a character that I'm sure lots of comic fans know and love, of, of which I am one. Um, the plot. I really enjoyed the the everything that happened, but the way they put it all together <laughs> was not good. I don't know. It was a weird a weird case study in how to make a good film bad. Well, the plot point of like um, Sokovia. Um, mm. is really important for like, future films as well as like, the true, TV true. shows. I really like the sort of idea that the Avengers have to be held accountable for things, that they're actually like, challenged, as like, in Captain America 3 or uh, Civil yeah. War when we get to that. Um, uh, I just want to briefly say on, on uh, The Winter Soldier, I love how S.H.I.E.L.D., like, even S.H.I.E.L.D., like, the big um, organisation... Uh, that's made, that, that seemed as if it was going to be there for years isn't sacred and its foundations are built on a sort of Nazi base. It's like yeah, yeah. the things that, that, you know, seem to be through, whether it be propaganda or just, you know, faith is like there's a dark past behind everything and I really, really liked that. I, I liked how like, Captain America is like, sort of tested on what he believes is like a moral institution that he can put a, sort of mm. put his faith in. You know, it's like, I like I like that sort of um, questioning uh, what is good and like these institutions that are meant to be good and and for the American dream and all that. It's like, well, is it that good? Because you know what happened beforehand. I like that. You know, I really like that. And you get mm-hmm. Arnim Zola. Um, yeah, who's who a, I really like as a villain. Yeah, and and they sort of used him in a very sort of creative way without having him actually be like a guy in a. A, a, a robot suit with eyes, you know, so um, I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, you're completely right. I do enjoy the sort of espionage and, and moral themes that quest, that quapped in America. Quapped in I can't speak today, I'm losing my mind. I do enjoy the moral questions that Captain America sort of asks himself. I like that um, over time... His, his political belief, well, his, his moral beliefs do have to change. And I also like, here's a very specific thing that I like. Uh, in um, Civil War, which I know is phase three, but he's the only guy that actually sits down and reads the Sokovia Accords. Yeah, true. I think <laughs> he, it's um, I think that's sort of established in Winter Soldier of he's willing to do the hard work. Of, yeah. um, like, it's not going to be an easy job, but it's, it's something that needs to be done. We need to do this thing to sort of get there. Um and that's, I think, a defining characteristic for him. Um, so, yeah, I like that. No, definitely. Um, you've got Guardians of the Galaxy, which is what a, what a fucking curveball from Marvel. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was com- just completely different to anything we'd seen before. Like, just, you know, I love the original Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, you don't have to think too much. You can just mm. go along for the ride with an excellent uh, film soundtrack you know, uh, as Darius says, you get a really boring villain in Ronan the Accuser. You yeah, know, Ronan like, the Accuser is a bit dull. Yeah, you call me boy! It's like, what, what are you angry for? Uh, Some obscure political belief on yeah. your home world that I've never been to. Cree justice. Zero state. Or something. Yeah, yeah um, I don't, you know, there you go. Um, mm. You're right. I think it's, um, it. my thing with Guardians of the Galaxy has always been, it's a bit cookie cutter in, in terms of plot. I think maybe it's that it was so different to everything surrounding it. Plus, Chris Pratt is very charismatic. So's Zoe Saldana. So's um, Bradley Cooper. Dave so's Batista. Vin Diesel. Say again? Dave Batista. 
Dave Batista. They're all very charismatic. And I think that did a lot of heavy lifting during the film. Yeah. It's when you started to see like, bigger celebrities as well just jump on the Marvel train. You know, yeah. Glenn Close, who's like a really good character actor, is just, you know, <laughs> with a weird hairstyle and saying space bullshit. Like, you know, you've got uh, John C. Riley as well, who's in it mm. as, a, as a guy. You know, it's like, it seemed to me that Marvel had really picked up by that point and everyone wanted in on it. Everyone was wanting a piece, you know. Um, mm. Mm, you're right. Which, um, oddly enough, makes me dislike it more. Because, you know, I like... I don't like the uh, franchising of stuff. Um, but mm. Phase 3, as we're coming up to, did give us some some good air. Uh, some really good films. Um, yeah. Um, what about Ant-Man? What do you think of Ant-Man? I, f- I forgot about Ant-Man. But <laughs> Ant-Man is probably my least favourite uh, character out of the... Out of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it just it just bores me. The Ant Man films. Really? Yeah. I really enjoy them. I mean, I enjoy heist movies in general. So I, I know I know you don't. No. But um, yeah, I I quite enjoyed Ant Man. I thought it was because Paul Rudd is so very charismatic. Um, I think that obviously did a lot of heavy lifting there as well. And Michael Douglas too. He was charismatic in the films. Yeah. It's strange. They seem to have got a lot of very a- a- actors that you have a pre existing sort of emotional relationship with that you're like yeah cool yeah uh darius says um does paul rudd age in his um mini review which uh is... no he doesn't no he does not he hasn't <laughs> he aged... looks the same in friends as he does today yeah. it's bizarre he hasn't aged since uh was it florida they were in or was it uh you know the rainforest oh, place um... and it was raining and everything and phoebe's boyfriend know. was there from minsk who plays... oh god yeah um hank azaria um where did they go I'm going to have to Google this now, because otherwise it'll just piss me off. Um, Where did they go in Friends? Um, Holiday raining. (laughs) Barbados for Ross's conference? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Florida? What? (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, um, I think that's all my notes for... um, Yes, it is all my notes as well. We're caning it through this. We're doing really well. We we certainly are. We certainly are. Um... Okay, so we are now in phase three. Um, yes, indeed. Um, have you got an opening statement for phase three? Um, phase three is where everything's uh, is kicked into gear. Really, it's really, it's it surprisingly opens a lot of new storylines and closes all of them in one big uh, uh, stroke. I mean, it's it's. Phase three is probably the most ambitious out of the out of the cinematic universe so far. I mean, you've got mm. they're introducing Doctor Strange. You've got Spider Man joining. You've got Black Panther joining. You've got Captain Marvel after the Avengers have been, you know, utterly defeated. I mean, it's like it's a lot of fucking story to get through, you know, in like, in the course of the time that it started. Um, Captain America three, uh, Civil War, basically freedom. Versus security, like what one, what one do you yeah, go for? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good sort of dichotomy. I I love the sort of the local like, sort of earth politics of like international stuff. You know, you've got um, King T'Chaka who wants to like, open Wakanda mm. to the world. You know, that's and you get more into that in like, Black Panther, and he's obviously assassinated. So that's um, setting up a good arc for um, uh, T'Challa to sort of deal with. You know, 
mm. whether he does I, 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 what his father yeah. wants or, or sticks to his his own sort of beliefs. Um, mm. And I did enjoy I enjoyed T'Challa as a character really a lot in in Civil War because yeah, it's, it's it says a lot that he had essentially a cameo role in that movie. He wasn't in very much of the movie at all, and yet he's one of the main things that stands out in my mind. Yeah. Um, bits where um, when um, T'Chaka is assassinated at the podium and um, T'Challa sort of leaps across the room, I, I remember watching that in the cinema and being like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, there's something so spellbinding about it. Absolutely. Um, obviously, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Um, yes, of course. He, he was battling uh, cancer when he was doing these films and mm. no one knew, which is just, unbelievable ludicrously yeah amazing yeah. um so um yeah i like uh zemo as a villain um he had a very understandable motivation for for why he wanted to to do what he did you know he lost his mm. entire family um and that sort of fits in what, with the yeah. you know you've got wanda who as we later find out is probably one of the strongest uh characters in the entire mcu certainly one of the most powerful and the fact that the Avengers have to, you know, they have to take sides. They have to decide. Look, what is what is worth preserving here? Are 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 our hands the safest, or should it be the people that we're protecting that get to decide? Because it's difficult, you know. Because on the one hand, you've got the people who are, for lack of a better word, uh, mortals that have to mm. live in the world that say, "No, you're not doing this." But if those people don't let them do that, then we're going to be wiped out you know so it's a, it's it's a really good sort of moral dilemma that i really like um mm, mm, i agree uh doctor strange um i like doctor strange it's a bit too um it's a bit too psychedelic for me <laughs> but uh, i i like uh stephen strange's character going from uh mm. again it's it's very similar to to iron man's sort of story going mm. from a, a selfish sort of um doctor who who controls his his life entirely and then realizes that nothing really is in his control um uh, uh, you know yeah uh, uh, yeah you're you're right i i did enjoy um doctor strange i enjoyed the psychedelic nature of it i suppose um but i think yeah it, it, as darius says in his mini review it is a cookie cutter origin story in a very strange way but it was also kind of gorgeous like, um, yeah. I really enjoyed watching it. It's one of the few MCU films I've watched several times because I it, there's something about it. It, it. it picks you up and brings you along for the ride. Yeah. And Tilda Swinton is amazing in everything. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen her in something and thought, oh, she, was, she wasn't very good in that? No. <laughs> Didn't quite bring out all the all the, all her acting talents. No, yeah. no. She's amazing in everything. <laughs> yeah, she's a fantastic actor. Um, but that's what I'm saying with the, the Marvel bandwagon. Everyone's jumping on by this mm, point. Yeah. Mm. Um, then you've got uh, Guardians 2. Um, Which I don't even remember. Do you not? <laughs> Which says a lot. So no, you've got, I don't. You've got, uh, you've got Kurt Russell as Ego. Um, oh, yeah. Yep, sorry. I'm back with you. Yep. yep. Which is <laughs> an interesting concept. I mean, it gives finally uh, an explanation as to why Peter Quill could hold an Infinity Stone. Um, mm. which I like because that was just bullshit at the end of the first Guardians film. It was like, yeah, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, bitch. It's like, that basically means shut up, stop asking questions, <laughs> you silly cunts. You know, we know what's best mm. for you, don't you worry. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I agree with you. It is nice to have an explanation for that. And Kurt Russell's good, isn't he? Yeah, sort of revealing himself to be a sort of, just, you know, another 
god that doesn't give a shit you know it's it's mm, mm. It, it's and it, it's similar to like, peter's character because peter's constantly fighting the urge to be a sort of uh you know hardy-go-lucky thief who doesn't really have the time to care about what's going on mm. and also the moral compunction to do the right thing and be a, a moral person in the world you know he's very emotional like his dad you know he's like as soon as uh ego was like it broke my heart to put that tumor in her head it was like just instantly shot him to to bits you know um so mm. i like that sort of character I suppose that's, stuff um... In a, in a this is <laughs> strap in for a hot take. Um, this is very different to well, in a strange way, very similar to like the Spock story, where it's just like an interesting balance between essentially his Vulcan superpowers, yeah, and his human hindrances. Yeah, that's kind of what you see with Peter Quill in the same way. Is it's his superpowers in that yeah, he kind of has the ability to do anything now. He's kind of kind of a little bit a little bit god, it's like a demigod, um, yeah, yeah. But he also is it, what brings him back down to humanity is his emotional ties to real life, yep. which is kind of a common theme in a lot of places. Like this, and we talk a lot about when we talk when we do the Doctor Who episodes about how David Tennant's Doctor is sort of the the thing that ties him to the characters around him is his emotional links with them, yep. and that's what makes him a a man rather than a god. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. I was gonna say I was gonna mention David Tennant, um, Ooh. but uh, and then you've got the first you've got the first Spider Man film. Um, mm. which was which was quite good, you know. You've got Michael, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. You've got Michael Keaton as a as another villain with understandable sort of uh, motivations. Um, again, just old celebrities jumping on the fucking Marvel bandwagon. <laughs> Gee's my fucking mm. paycheck. Um, mm. but he. Who, I like that. Um, who was it? He played Vulture. Vulture. That's it. Vulture. Mm. I did enjoy that. Um, Vulture's sort of villain origin story was he's greedy and i kind of liked that because yeah. it's like um he's he just wants more and it's it's an understandable trait in a in a very funny way and i also liked that um in a very strange way peter parker is similar to steve rogers in this universe like he's very sort of the thing that makes him a superhero is not so much his superpowers more his moral code yeah in that like he's just i just have to do good Wherever I am, I just have to help people if I can. I just have to do everything I can, sort of thing. And at the end of the of, I think it's the first movie when he's sort of dragging Michael Keaton out of the fire, and he's like, um, I I know he's he's sort of the villain, but I have to try and save him. I have to yeah. try and 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 do good things. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's um, it's interesting how they give Vulture a daughter as well, which makes him more so yes. relatable. And uh, you get like great uh, um characters like um mary jane played by zendaya and stuff like that so again it's just yeah. you know it's it, you know I, I like how it's a double-edged sword with marvel because at the same time like, as this world ending event is coming it's you know each character has their own sort of stuff to be getting on with which i quite like yeah and it's hard to do especially if you're trying to like, replicate mm. the comics um yeah and i like that um because that's what real life is. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, it, it's, it's People have their own stuff to be getting on with, regardless of whatever that you you sort of perceive them to be. Yep. People have their own valid internal lives. Like, um, the best example that I can come up with, bizarrely, is um, at the minute, obviously, um, I don't know if you've heard, we've talked about it many times, there's football happening. 
Um, so, but all the footballers also have families and homes and kids and pets and whatever. They have internal lives. Like, um, I remember seeing this picture of Harry Kane with his, his wife and his, his child and thinking, oh yeah, he's, he's more than just a guy that kicks a football around. Yep. He, he also has a home life. Like, for all we know, he comes off the pitch and he's like, right, so on Sunday I've got to regrout the bathroom and I've got to do this. I mean, you know, he's probably going to pay someone. But do you see what I mean? It's yeah. They have internal lives as well. And it, I like that we sort of see that in the MCU. And that's what Phase 3 really brings to light, from Thor Ragnarok to Black Panther to all of it. It all is like, yeah, these superheroes do have... They all do club in to try and stop the end of the world, but they also have big things going on at home that they have to deal with too. Yep, absolutely. Um... And after uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, we've got Thor Ragnarok, which I fucking love. I love mm, Thor Ragnarok. It's like, you know, there's a great sort of canon shift. You know, Thor has suffered immeasurably by this point. Yeah. Uh, he's lost his mum. Um, you know, he's about to lose his dad. He loses his dad in this film. Uh, he has a sister that he, ne- that he never knew about. Um, and eventually, he ends up losing his home and is finally accepted as king but only when he realizes that the sort of vain the vanity that comes with asgard is lit Mm. is not worth pursuing and it's the people that make it rather than the big glorious buildings and the thrones and stuff Mm, like that. the shining city yeah yeah so no you're right i like Um, that yeah and it's no you're completely right i watched i watched a video by um wisecrack which spoke about thor's arc is like similar to how Norse mythology treats Ragnarok. It's like okay. birth and then growth and then destruction. Like Thor is like constantly going from high to low. Like in the first mm. film he's on his like he's on a high, he's going to be crowned king and then he goes low when he lo- when he loses Loki. And then mm. he's on high again, he's saving the the nine realms uh, and he loses his mother and um Loki dies as well, but he doesn't. Uh and in Thor Ragnarok, he's defeated the evil uh, Surtur from destroying Ragnarok, or, or, or stopping Ragnarok, uh, and then loses his dad and his brother, uh, not his brother, his, um, his, his home. And then he's mm, crowned mm. king again, and then immediately, <laughs> immediately after, uh, his ship is uh, intercepted by Thanos, and half of his people are wiped out. So it's just this... It's this nice sort of callback to Norse mythology about like Ragnarok happens and then things grow again and then it happens again yeah. and, so, and its cycle of life sort of continuously going on, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. Yeah, um, yeah, and I do really enjoy Thor Ragnarok. I think it's some of the best performances in the MCU. Yeah, um, even from like Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> who's <laughs> only briefly in it. I, I, Jeff Goldblum is such a charismatic guy. Yeah, um, and. Anthony Hopkins in that movie is so good. Yeah, very much um, so. And the, sat on the edge of that cliff talking about how he's about to die and all this sort of stuff. But um, Kate Blanchett as just, well. Yeah, Kate Blanchett's spectacular, obviously. But then um, the bit that really got me in that film was um, Thor being like, oh, I'm not strong enough. I can't defeat her sort of thing. I haven't got my hammer. Are you Thor, god of hammers? It's like it, it's <laughs> exactly. very wonderful about the way he said it and the way he delivered it. I mean, there's no denying that Anthony Hopkins is a stupendous actor. This is not—I'm not—I'm not bringing new light to the world here. (laughs) But um, yeah, I—I think that film sort of showcased his talents best out of the all the rest of the MCU films. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And after Thor, 
we have uh, Black Panther, which was quite a historic film. It was it was uh, a film very sort of culturally significant for a lot of um, mm, mm. a lot of black people. Um, at least that's what 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 was certainly seen after it was um, released, uh, and it spoke about very sort of difficult things. It spoke about um, uh, colonialism and slavery and how you know um, what what would it be like if a if a an African sort of power wasn't you know essentially destroyed by colonialism and whether yeah. they have a responsibility to to you know the great the greater uh, African community. It's like it was it was really interesting. You've got a villain like Killmonger, who while bad has understandable motivations. Again, yeah, you know it's like. It's really interesting. Aditya said some stuff about it. Um, Black okay. Panther is the first installment in the Black Panther film series and the sixth installment in the MCU's Phase 3 series. Through the production of this movie, Marvel had done exceptionally well as a business and specifically as a film production business. Firstly, Black Panther is a superhero movie which features predominantly black American actors, and that is amazing, as previously there were the likes of Will Smith and Wesley Snipes, who made their mark as black American actors, but were not black lead roles as superheroes, except for Blade, which came out in 1998. So I think I think is right. It was a very sort of... It was a landmark movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You've got... Uh, yeah, so did I. Andy Serkis' Claw, which was a nice mm. sort of callback from, from Ultron. Um, mm. and, and Martin Freeman is uh, that, that, that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah the forgettable, the most forgettable person in the film. Someone said, "Oh yeah, wasn't Martin Freeman in that?" Oh God, Jerry was, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Darius has said uh, Chadwick Boseman was going through what he was going through, and he deserves the title of the real hero. Um, yeah. So again, uh, R.I.P. Yeah, to completely, yeah. Chadwick Boseman. I think um, Black Panther, in a, in a lot of ways, for me, in in the scale of the wider MCU, it sort of personifies the big shift between Phase Three and the previous movies. Was that they started to make the villains good? In yeah. that, um, a, a lot of the earlier villains were just sort of inverted versions of the heroes that um, just kind of did stuff. Yep. And you were like, oh, okay, I guess they're the villain then. But I like that um, Killmonger has understandable motives. You can understand why he's angry, and you can understand why he's doing the things he's doing, and I think that's really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm always hesitant to say, yeah, I really like the villain in this film, because that makes me look like some kind of monster. But, like, I, my point is, I really enjoyed the villain in this movie. I think they were characterised amazingly well. No, definitely. I mean, it's like, I mean, I love a, a big evil bad that's bad for no reason, you know? But, like, ultimately, I, I hate the sort of hero-villain dynamic. I like that it's grey characters with grey motivations and understandable yes. motivations you know um, but yeah um, so after that we have probably the ballsiest movie um, so far in fact I would say in the entire uh, cinematic universe you've got Avengers Infinity War which is just one of my favourite films of all time mm. it's like it ev- is a good movie everything flows really nicely they pace it well between jumping in between uh different characters you've got mm. doctor strange to contend with you've got the guardians to sort of fit in there and it's like you know all of them are rushing about to try and stop another character with another understandable um motivation 
kind of a stupid motivation, but still. Yeah, it's, um, that's the, I literally just about to jump in there. Um, Thanos's motivation is it's I like that they made it to be one that's understandable, but you you automatically disagree with it. It's very clever yeah. writing that it's like, yeah, I get what he's going for, but seems like a shit way to go about it. I think that's. It's very cleverly done, yeah. Yeah, Josh Brolin said on, on Stephen Colbert, he was like, uh, yeah, this is his motivation. And Stephen Colbert was like, could he not just double the food? Like, um, And Josh Brolin was like, yeah, but he's not just about, um, uh, you know, saving everyone. There's that callousness that makes him more than just, you know, an idealist. You know, he's got a callousness to him. He's got a sort of vanity mm. that, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, so he's... I mean Thanos in the in the in the comics is you know he's he he loves death he he literally falls in love yeah. with death the the personification of death and let wipes out half the life in the universe to just sort of you know appease her appease yeah. her and she's just not interested so I like that they they didn't just copy the comics and they did like something original and different with it um, yeah, I um, yeah, I completely agree. The thing that really struck me with Infinity War was um, because I, I had it was like pretty much every Christmas when I was growing up, I got like big collected editions of Avengers comics and stuff, where like lots of different characters were all gathered together to go on a big group adventure sort of thing, and that's what Infinity War felt like. They succeeded in pulling off the sort of excellent narrative pacing and excellent sort of flipping and, and changing between like the stuff that Thor and um, Groot and stuff were doing at Nidavellir and the stuff that they were doing on Titan and stuff that they were doing on Earth. It was really well paced and it was really it was just really good. It was really well executed and really well done. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, if anything, it makes you wish it was kind of worse because then <laughs> it would have made Endgame look a bit better by comparison. It's ever so weird. No, definitely. And the fact that they just killed everyone you know, essentially, and it's like, oh my god, how do you get out of that? What's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you've got Ant Man two, which uh, Dari says, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, a good summer rom com. Um, I can't remember you... much of Ant Man, uh, mm. the the second one. Um, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer turns up. Yeah, Michelle that's, Pfeiffer's that's the in plot, it, basically. And <laughs> and then they disappear, don't they? And he's stuck in the the quantum realm. Um, yeah, I quite liked Ant Man and the Wasp. I liked Ant Man. I, I think I might just like Paul Rudd. I think that might just be <laughs> the yeah. thing. I think it is a bit of a forgettable movie in general. Um, I, I remember watching it and thinking there was a couple of the lines were a bit not great. Like um, Scott, is he called Scott? Jesus, Scott, yes. My brain, Scott. Yeah, when he um, he's in the harbor and he gets to be super duper big, like Giant Man or whatever. Um, and then they go and talk to Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> and um, they t- start talking about that. And um, Evangeline Lilly goes, "Oh, well, when you've fin- co- finished comparing sizes, and we're all meant to go <laughs> like dicks." <laughs> that's that's the joke that we're all meant to be laughing at. But I think I don't know. It felt a bit. Some of the jokes felt a bit lackluster yeah. a bit in that one. And I mean, maybe that's just me being a snob. I don't really know. But um, I remember watching that one and thinking, "Oh, that's a bit." I mean, it's Not sort of a, it's sort of a big come down from like a big world ending event like that, and then mm. it's like we get to check in with Ant Man and the Wasp. It's like ah, uh, it's like you're not really keeping the stakes very high. It's like a sort of break. It's taking the 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 gas off the pedals, you know. Um, mm, mm. Captain Marvel, uh, Dari says uh, the weakest introdu- uh, introduction story, um, but the. Uh, 
Oh, the de-aging on Samuel L. Jackson is creepy as fuck. Um, I like how he said, I... but, as if lit. <laughs> Wait, I've said it's weak, but here's a compliment coming. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, I, d- I didn't really like Captain Marvel. And mm, um, like, I just, I, d- I, d- I couldn't really get into the story. And they brought back Ronan the Accuser, which was kind of, no one really asked for that. Um, but I will say, when it came out, there was a hell of a lot of sexist fucking people yeah, commenting Jesus. on Brie Larson. But, I mean, mm. it, it's okay not to like uh, an actor, but there's no need to be a fucking misogynistic piece of shit. Mm. Um, yeah, a movie is more than just the, a one person. Yeah, even if you exactly. did hate Brie Larson, and even if your opinions were completely founded in logic and reason... The, the the movie is more than one person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of people putting a lot of work into a lot of frames. Do you know what I mean? But yep. um, yeah, I I remember quite like I enjoyed Captain Marvel when I saw it in the cinema, uh, and then I came out and thought, yeah, it was good. It was like a lot of other Marvel movies. It was good. Yeah. I, I I I didn't think it was like the greatest one I've ever seen, but I did really enjoy it. I remember thinking, um, because Captain Marvel is a character I really quite enjoyed from the comics, which I know is bizarrely i found this out during the press tour for captain marvel a lot of people don't like her in the comic books uh which i remember thinking was quite weird because i yeah. read a lot of x-men comics when i was younger so i read a lot of the sort of early carol danvers just she's first got her powers oh what's going on sort of thing i read a lot of that sort of stuff and i quite liked the character um so i was excited to see the movie and then i quite enjoyed it i thought it was good um i will say one thing i really liked the um costume i liked that it was like yeah what's the word um I mean, I liked the the sort of the aesthetic of it with like the collar and the helmet and everything. It was really cool, yep. just in terms of vibe. But also, I liked that it was something that was given to her that she made her own in a strange way. It felt like empowering to watch somebody do that, and it felt like they were empowering themselves. It was really good. Yeah, um, definitely. Plus, I really, really liked um, when Jude Law was busy being a twat, and um, Carol Danvers was like, "No, no, I don't have to prove anything to you." And just clocked him. I like that. Yeah. I I really enjoyed that narrative beat in that, like, um, you don't have to prove anything to people that like that. That's not. You don't have to prove yourself to people that want to, to people that have abused you in the past or, or yeah. deliberately hidden things from you or deliberate. That's not a, a a thing that you need to do. What's important is your own personal life. What's important is your own personal growth and how yeah. you feel about things. Not some other not appeasing an abuser for christ's sake yeah definitely i will say one of the weakest villain reveals of all time and i mean it's jude law what the fuck are you expecting i mean it's going to be him <laughs> that's the bad guy <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean um uh i, I seen a lot of people comparing like uh, captain marvel to like wanda and how like wanda is like a really powerful character mm. but like maybe like her motivations and like the stuff that she's went through is more sort of fleshed out than, than Captain Marvel's is. I mean, she, like, Wanda's had, like, what, multiple movies to sort yeah, of do yeah. that. Yeah, and a TV show. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get more um, mm. on, on uh, Carol Danvers' story later on. Uh, That'd be good. I'd like that. Be very yeah. much, it'd be very good. I'd like to see it fleshed out. Mm. Um, so, was, like, um, in terms of vibe, I enjoyed um, Captain Marvel um, just in, in its vibe i know that's a strange yeah. thing to say but as i was watching the film i just thought yeah this is a good energy to it like um i remember thinking the bit that was really it got me as this is stupid but in a good way was the bit where she like 
her hands were in those like um, metal tubes that I think she'd been like restrained on this prison ship, and she was like running around this ship barefoot with these metal tubes in her arms. And I thought this is—it's kind of got a good energy to it. It's really good. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, you can. There's not like a Marvel film that um that you can't watch. You know, it's mm. that they're all like, some are obviously better than others, but there's like I, I wouldn't say that there's one that I would be like, no, I'm not watching that that horrible shit. Like you know, I would, I would. If someone was like, "Do you want to watch Iron Man 2? If it was on, I'd watch it. I mean, I'm not yeah, like yeah. you know. They're all sort of fun, uh, you know, good paced sort of films. Um, uh, so yeah. But whew, we're almost there, Lewis. We're almost there. We're almost there. One more. Um, no, two more. Um, oh right. <laughs> um, but this is this is the the big one. Um, Avengers Endgame. The, the the culmination of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in many ways it mm. wraps up a lot of the stories and is also a big celebration of um of, of the, everything that's been accomplished yeah exactly um, I'm going to read some of Darius's notes on it um, mm-hmm. finishing my thoughts on the MCU Avengers Endgame is quite good for being three hours long I just try not to think about the time travel logic portal uh, time travel logic portals is the best scene in the MCU and finally Spider-Man Far From Home is the official end of uh, phase three it's a good summer t- oh well that's another film um, but yeah so uh, Avengers Endgame mm. the time travel plot still annoys yeah, me frustrating yeah yeah it's like it's so it's. I want to try and understand it before we leave here. <laughs> so strap in for a four-hour podcast. Um, so it's there's our timeline, mm. and if you go back in time and change something, it doesn't change your timeline. It just creates a different timeline. If that makes sense. Yes. So it's like I've changed this, but my timeline is still the same. It's just okay. there's a different timeline where that would, you know, be different, I guess. Okay. Which yeah. is hurting my head. I think that's it. Yeah, it hurts my head a bit. Um Darius, but, uh, is yeah, that I right? Think... Is that is that what they were going for? I think um I, I Avengers Endgame is like there are good bits and there are bad bits. Like um for someone like me who's grown up reading comic books where all the Avengers are all fighting in a big battle together, it was like weirdly emotional to see yeah all of them on the screen at once they'd all leapt out of the um out of the portals and they're all doing battle against Thanos's army and it sort of genuinely almost brought tears to my eyes and i know that's a bit like intense but it it genuinely it sort of meant quite a lot to me to see that happen yeah and um i i don't know i think as I say, the good bits, bad bits. I don't like the time travel plot, but I liked seeing the sort of almost the Avengers sitcom of them <laughs> sitting around the Avengers compound yeah. and just like doing stuff. It was quite nice in a funny way. No, um, it, it rounded out the the sort of whole era well. Um, but yeah, I, I do. It does frustrate me that time travel was what they went with. I know that they didn't have a lot of options, but it was frustrating to. To, to pull an option out your ass and go with that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do wish that they would have just played with the pieces that they had on the board instead of like, you know, mm. like, oh, here's a time travel van, you know. Which I mean, to be fair, they had set up, but like they set it up so late, like especially yeah, with, like, yeah. Captain Marvel as well. Like Captain Marvel is an incredibly powerful character, and we're only just getting her like before the last film. It's like 
you would need... Obviously, I'm not Kevin Feige or, or, or John Favreau, so I can't do anything about it now. But look, I w- if I was going to use a character like that to essentially nearly destroy Thanos, I would need to have set them up way, way before, you know, the the, the last film, you know. Um, and Wanda nearly killed Thanos, which is a, a, another thing. It's a plot point that's brought up later in, in WandaVision as well. Mm. Um, but I just... I, I, I wish that they could have done it in a way without going back in time. That's the only thing that annoys me. But it was nice mm, to mm. see them sort of, you know, go back to 2012 and let Captain America fight in Captain America. Um, stuff like that. Much, you know, a lot of fan service stuff, but, you know, it's it's Marvel in it. You just got to shut up and just enjoy it. The portal <laughs> scene, as Darius said, one of the best scenes in, 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 the, in the franchise. You know, you're just cheering. Uh, and obviously you get Black Widow's death, you get uh, Steve Rogers' sort of departure and eventual death, and you get Tony's death. So it's three big heavy hitters that are you know gone. Um, mm, mm. And I yeah, and I did really appreciate the sort of big three battle with Thanos right at the very end. Though it sort of in the end it sort of came down to a just a punch up. <laughs> yeah, like it's um they've had all these these enormous cosmic stakes. And it's 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 a punch up in a Mackie's car park. You know what I mean? It's it's. <laughs> I kind of I, I really enjoyed that in a funny way. It felt a lot more grounded than I think it could have done. Yeah. And um, it, it felt grounded. He says. <laughs> um, uh, but also, this is a tiny, tiny thing. I enjoyed how um, when Thor like put his armor on, he, <laughs> the lightning also plaited his beard. Yeah, <laughs> that was quite nice. I did. I did like that. Um. Mm. Um, well, I didn't like. There was a lot of like weird sort of um, body shaming type stuff going on with Thor being like overweight Thor. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a bit gross and weird and out of place. I don't. I don't get it or like it. No, I didn't like um, that. Um, mm. uh, I also, I also didn't like the sort of um, sort of really performative, uh, big sort of every female character walking at the same time. So I think I think the boys did that way better, you know. Just three badass women. The boys did do a really good version yeah, just of that. Mm. Three badass women kicking the fuck out of a Nazi. Well, that's just <laughs> it's just such a humble way to do that. Do you know I mean? But it was just so like, how just logistically every sort of female character all came to the, this one point on the battlefield it's it was like i i got what they were trying to do and it's nice and mm. all that but it just felt a bit sort of too corporate for me and it was like i understand what you're saying yeah it's um i think we might disagree i did kind of like it in a funny way i, I well i do acknowledge obviously it's statistically improbable given the circumstances i think that I'm not watching this film for realisticness. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, I'm, I'm yeah. watching it for it to show me things that I like. No, <laughs> and, definitely. And I, I saw that and I was like, oh, no, I do like that. That's good. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So I, I think we might disagree a little bit on that. Yeah, it just felt it just felt a bit performative to me. But, you know, mm. it's it's a Marvel film, I guess. Mm. Uh, and I do I did enjoy um, the three women kicking the shit out of a Nazi. Yeah, that, that, was, <laughs> that was really so good. good. <laughs> Um, that was um maybe they could have had all the all the all the female avengers come around and kick shit out of a nazi maybe that would have been good yeah like if, they, if red skull had have been the, the final villain yeah they all just gathered around and slowly kicking the shit <laughs> out of it. that would have been good yeah i mean it's tonally isn't it i guess um but um mm-hmm. but i do uh so now that we've like we're sort of we're sort of nearly at the end i mean there's we can we can do spider-man if you like we can just talk about that briefly um yeah yeah uh 
uh, Darius says, um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is the official end of Phase 3. It's a good summer team movie. Its villain is a metaphor for fake news. Um, so it's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. So there you go. Mm. I quite liked um, Far From Home, to be honest with you. What did you think? I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. Mm. I, I liked how um, Peter Parker had to sort of reconcile whether he was going to become the next sort of Iron Man sort of thing. You know, mm. I, I like that. I like Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Um, mm. And I did enjoy... Um, I, I enjoyed forgetting what I was going to say. Fuck, that's the <laughs> second time today I've done that. Um... um, um Yes, that's it. I, I remember seeing online that Tom Holland went back and watched Iron Man 1 quite sort of religiously and tried to replicate a lot of his... of, of his uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s sort of body movements while he was in the workshop in Iron Man 1. Oh. And he tried to recreate that when he was in the sort of Quinjet in, in, in um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. I quite liked that. That was quite nice. Yeah, I liked that. And um, I liked that the villain was sort of shown to be a little bit insane, just <laughs> lightly insane. Like he... He misremembered things, and he sort of got things wrong deliberately on purpose, sort of accidentally on purpose sort of thing. Yep. Like, um, when you actually go back and watch the... um, Tony Stark uses those glasses to recreate a situation with his parents in. Nobody's actually laughing at that, at the fart joke that Tony made. Nobody's (laughs) laughing at that. And yet when you see Mysterio's sort of... um, He's looking back and he's thinking, thinking about it again, people are laughing at him. I like that he's shown to be sort of lightly unhinged. Yep. Kind of isn't quite in touch with reality. No, definitely. It's um something that's sort of gently touched on in the MCU movies, but I quite liked how they dealt with it with Mysterio. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a good thing. Plus, Tom Holland is good. Zendaya is good. They're all good, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are all good. Um, I've got some uh sort of fundamental questions just to sort of okay. round everything off. Um, so who is your favorite hero? in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Ooh. I don't know, you know. I always had a soft spot for Spider-Man, I think. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, to have him sort of... Because he's such a grassroots superhero and he's just like, I'm just trying to do what's right. I'm just trying to do what's good. Like, um... And, and somehow that that includes, like, carrying the Infinity Gauntlet and then and then giving it to Brie Larson. And I, I don't know, I, I quite liked that, um... Yep. I don't know. I really like Spider-Man and how grounded he makes all the movies feel. And it was I, I know we we we've moved on a bit, but I quite enjoyed how um, Far From Home was kind of the epilogue to the MCU. Yeah, Do definitely. You know what I mean? Like I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed Peter Parker and all of the movies. Yeah, it was just it was just really good. So what about you? Um, j- just before I say, Darius said Tom Holland got Darius's uh, dream job. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I got got a millions and millions of people's dreams job, yep. dream job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Iron Man for me, you know, it's like it's, yeah. it's it's the the sort of journey of someone really selfish becoming selfless and still mm, maintaining mm. that sort of you know optimism and sort of charisma that comes with it. You know, I just, mm. I just, I, I was I was weeping <laughs> when when I, they were you know at the funeral when. Uh, Tony oh, Stark's yeah. heart was sort of going away. I I, I just yeah that I was really liked deeply Man. sad, wasn't it? Yeah. And the um, I think the other moment that was big and full of full of everything was um, when Captain America picked up Mjolnir. Yeah. Was, um, I remember in the in the cinema the sort of electric atmosphere when that happened. And, oh, it's amazing. And Thor's like, um, I knew it. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, really good. <laughs> um. So um, 
Who's your favourite villain? Ooh. I don't know. That's that's a really difficult question. Is it, um, is it whiplash? <laughs> yes, it's whiplash. Um, I, I might have to say Loki, to be honest with you. Oh, I don't think he's a villain anymore, Lewis. Well, no, I know, so it kind of doesn't count, but I, I enjoyed him in Avengers as a villain, and I enjoyed him in Thor as kind of just a guy. Yeah. Uh, like, I know that he's not technically a villain, he's kind of an anti-hero, kind of not even... Kind of a hero now, but, like... I really enjoyed... I, I just really enjoy watching him on screen. And I really enjoy watching him sort of struggle with his own internal feelings as he's trying to do things he wants to do. Yeah. Or not do the things. Yep, definitely. Um, mine's is... Uh, what about you? Mine's is Howard the Duck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I... Uh, it's between... Um, see, I like... It's It's... It's either between Killmonger and Thanos, I've got to say. Mm, um, mm. Like, Killmonger's motivations are probably like, like more understandable. But like, then again, Thanos like, lost his, his home planet as well. So it's like, I just, I like villains who like, have something other than just, I am bad and I will destroy the world, you know? Um, mm, so it's, mm. it's probably between those two. Um, uh and the last question I have, which is kind of a sure. it's kind of a topical question. Um Ooh. So back when when sort of Avengers was like wrapping up, um a, a very famous director uh, by the name of Martin Scorsese uh said that um the Marvel films and films like it are essentially um not cinema and are essentially cheap thrills and used for theme park rides. Uh Terrible take. Terrible take. Well, explain. I think that... I understand where he's coming from, in that it's... it's it, to compare something like this to the to something like um, Iron Man 2 to The Godfather, there's, there's a <laughs> gulf between them, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But on the same level, I think to say anything is inherently not cinema, because I don't think it is, I think that's a sort of... A, a, a very snobby attitude to take. Yeah. I think everything has something to say if you will just let it say it. And yeah. while in some films, I, I think that some films might be more uh, culturally relevant, some films might be more important in terms of what they represent, what they try to get across, what they're telling you a story about. Yeah. I just think it's it sort of makes me angry to, to see someone like Martin Scorsese have such an elitist opinion of no no i think that um the marvel cinematic universe films are just kind of trash they're just kind of just fodder for the the common people but us us elites we get to watch the incredible cinematic delights of everything and i think in years gone by perhaps cinema was more of a great unifier but i think in in times nowadays it's fucking expensive to go to the cinema yeah it's expensive to go to the cinema it's expensive to take time out of your day even to go and do something like that so it frustrates me to see this great elitism creeping into into cinema and i think this is is part of that do you know what i mean no i abs- absolutely agree with you um it's um it's 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 basically everything that you've that you've just said i mean there are great character arcs and stuff like going on in these films it's not just mm. shoot 'em ups and 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 lasers and stuff like that yeah. like there's some really compelling uh character arcs 
Um, I used to think that he was right, but then I realised, no, you're just being a wee snob. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. It, and it's just like, not everyone likes the same films that you do, and everyone gets meaning yeah. from different things. So, you know, just fucking accept that mm. and move on. It's one thing that really does frustrate me to say, um, when you see people say, like, oh, you have to watch this in the theatre, in the cinema. It's like, oh, well, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just be, like i think i think it was a steven spielberg thing is like oh i think the spirit there's the the um the cinema is like a it's a spiritual experience you have to go and go to the cinema you have to go and do that but it's people can't yeah exactly there, there's no there are no two ways about that some people just cannot do that yeah so to say that the only way to experience whatever thing steven spielberg has just brought out is is to go to the cinema that's such a cruel thing to say yeah very much so i it, it really frustrates me i i i greatly disagree with that sort of snobbish elitist attitude uh towards cinema yep no i agree um but i think i think yeah i think god willing <laughs> i think i think that's us um mm. Um, sorry, it would have been us, but Darius just put a hot, well, not a hot, spicy take, an interesting take into the patron chat. Um, I watched Back to the Future on VHS the first time I watched it. Yeah, because and the reason that sort of home cinema and home video and VHS line and things like that did do so well is because after a while they become cheap and affordable. Yeah, exactly. It, I have a TV in my house. I can go and buy a DVD of whatever and put it on my TV. And it's it's it frustrates me to see this elitist. Ad- no, you have to go to the cinema and you have to sit in the cinema in silence. Yeah, maybe if oh, like, maybe if like, film budgets were like, decreased by like eighty percent, then people could afford <laughs> yeah. to go to the cinema. I mean, it's like it's it's greedy companies trying to get a return on the hundreds of millions that they spent on their on mm. their project. I mean, and Marvel isn't a uh, Marvel isn't an exception to this. I mean, the the, the sheer amount of money. That Marvel have spent on these films is unbelievable. I mean, look, mm-hmm. I don't care how good an actor you are. I don't care how charming you are, Robert Downey Jr. You do not need forty-two million a movie. <laughs> it is fucking shocking. Use that mm-hmm. money and fucking Jesus Christ, cure cancer, Jesus Christ, or spend mm-hmm. or spend the money more effectively on the film and on the crew that's actually making it rather than just like, the talent. It's so elitist and it's really annoying and i just wish that more focus would be given on the team effort of making a film rather than mm, oh robert Tony jr's gonna be in this you know it's like it's really yeah but anyway um anyway yes that is the us out of notes <sighs> an hour and 40 minutes god that's a long podcast i mean to be fair that was like the the length that we were doing them when we started it was like an hour yeah, and 30 yeah. minutes on average but you know, so it's nice to return, and I think we realise why we stopped doing it around 30 minutes, <laughs> because it just takes so fucking long. Um, it does, it does. But I want to say thank you to Darius, who has been in the chat yes. the entire time, an absolute trooper, just listening to us ramble on about fucking shite. So thank you, Darius. <laughs> getting angry about politics, and then getting angry about films, and then getting angry about Martin Scorsese. Yep. Thank you very much, Darius. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, that was... The Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, Phase 1 to 3, and I I really enjoyed talking about that. Me um, too, yeah. Yeah. So, should we do some cheeky shilling before we announce what we're going to be doing next? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, okay. Um, we all have link trees 
Um, and Lewis's link tree is linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine's is slash O'Hiram. And the podcast's is slash Shouting Into The Void. We have a PayPal donate button, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly um, appreciated. We also have Patreon, and we want to take the opportunity, as we do every week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Doogie. Yes, thank you one and all. You do mean the world to us. You allow us to talk for nearly two hours about <laughs> about 20 films. So thank you very, very much for um, allowing us to do this podcast that we love to do. It really does mean the world. Yes, thank you so much. And it's only due to your support that we've been able to make 80 episodes of this. Yes. So thank you very much. I know. Um, if you would like to join their number... You can go to uh, patreon.com slash shouting into the void. You, you're, a, you're a person that has been on the internet before. You know how Patreon works. Um, yeah, you can get all sorts of bits and bobs and uh, we'll mention you on the podcast. And um, yeah, just thank you again to all of our patrons. You literally allow us to do what we what we do yep. um, because you fund the podcast. You fund us making sure we have the, the microphones that we need, the hosting costs that we need. You really do help a lot. So thank you. Yep. Thank you so much, guys. Um, we also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble. We sell tote bags, uh, mugs, T-shirts, all sorts of stuff. Go have a look. See what you fancy or don't. It's up to you. It's your life. I can't live it for you. Jesus Christ. Boundaries. Um, and last but certainly... Of course, yes. And last but certainly not least, we are partnered with an amazing company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue. And Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Indeed I am. Uh, Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company with my wonderful wife in which she crochets. She's very, very good at it. If you would like to bless your Instagram feed with some aesthetically pleasing crochet creations, um, or creations, however you'd like to say that word, um, you can go to at Number 12 Crochet Avenue on Instagram and you can check it out. Uh, Give her a cheeky follow and your Instagram feed and your eyes will thank you. Yes, and I will thank you. Yes. Well, there you go. Oh! Woo! Oh, that was a, a monster of a podcast, no, I, wasn't it? I need to refresh my brain a little bit. Um, okay, so we've got some stuff that we're going to be doing, and I'm going to spin the wheel, and we're going to announce it. Okay, so here we go. Okay. If you were sick of Marvel tough shit, because we're going to be doing <laughs> the Disney Plus shows as well. Jesus Christ. Mm. We're going to start with one division, uh, and then we're going to do Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Fatwas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and time allowing, hopefully it will be done by then. But we might yeah. be able to do Loki as well, and yeah. then after that, good old T hitters. Yeah, and after that, I'm never talking about Marvel again um, <laughs> because this is fucking shocking. Um, so yeah, that's something to look forward to, uh, and. Uh, yeah, that's that. That's us, I think. Indeed it is us, yes. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, I look forward to you listening to me next time. Um, yes, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>